<laughs> I, these are different words. It threw me off. It's okay. I was like, that's not what I say. That's not right. <laughs> Whole new inflection. I know. Sorry. No, no, no. It's it's fine. It's all it's all the same. It's it's no big deal. And here we go. Um, it was truly a masterpiece. I don't know about all that. Ugh, absolutely the worst movie ever. Hands down, bar none, the greatest action spectacular ever. Well, uh, the other one just stuck him up. Are you asking me? I promise I'm not going to sing this time around. Welcome to Don't Be Crazy Podcast. I'm Justin Kavner. With me as always, Mr. Zachary Rancourt. Here we discuss and dissect what makes a film absolutely amazing or just pure gat dang rubbish. All that we ask of each other is don't be crazy. Don't be crazy, Zach. I'm Jack Barry. No, you're not. <laughs> no, I'm Zach Barry. But uh, yeah. <laughs> Hello, Justin. How are you? I am fabulous. Thank you. That's great. You know, I have a little surprise for you. Um, <gasps> uh, we have a special guest, longtime listener, first time participant. Uh, I've known him since the dawn of time, which was college for me. And uh, he's he's a friend I look up to. But his name is Mr. Mark Giles. Welcome to the show, Mark. Oh, hey, guys. Uh, glad glad to be here. <laughs> oh, hi, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> I did not hi, hit her. <laughs> I did not hit her. I did I not. Did not. <laughs> Oh, man. But uh, welcome, buddy. This is cool to have you. Oh, thanks. Yes. Uh, th- that is a uh, excellent time. College Ooh. start of start of uh, many adventures. We have a lot of inside jokes from that, too, like turkey shoot, tea oh, shoot at tea park. Tea shoot in tea park. Yeah. And all the way turned up. Yeah. I'm sure all the listeners will appreciate <laughs> the inside jokes. <laughs> I mean, Justin and I have a lot of inside jokes, too. I hope to be a part of one. Someday. <laughs> do you do you have a fight song, Justin? Oh, yeah. We had, do I have a fight song? Mark and I no. had a fight song. <laughs> we got we got no. angry at each other. It was all the way turned up. So all maybe Glory of Love by Peter Cetera. I don't know how that goes. Yeah, have you seen Karate Kid 2? Have you even seen Karate Kid Part 2? <laughs> you mean where he goes to Okinawa? Yeah. I have not seen that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I've, I've definitely seen it. <laughs> too bad. I've definitely seen <laughs> well, it. We'll go watch it and we'll wait. Yeah. Well, it's I like two hours I like Terry Terry Silver better. So number three is, is no. far superior to that. <laughs> I don't know about all that, <laughs> but yeah. Anyways, I mean, I'm I'm Cobra Kai all the way. Ooh. Yeah, Eagle Fang Karate. <laughs> <laughs> Top Gun or no? What did he say? Iron Eagle, Hot Babes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm actually wearing a Cobra Kai shirt right now. Oh That's my god, I it was rad. Yeah, it was it was a rad show. I I could have done it th- season three personally. You could have done without. No, three? I could have done a another season. I, oh, I'd yeah. have taken another one. Yeah, you're getting one. I um, I like when they go to the Mexican restaurant and he's like, "I'll have the polo tacos, please." Yeah, it's <laughs> <laughs> pretty awesome. But yeah, anyways, what's going on, J- uh, Justin? How 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 are things for you though? Otherwise, good. No complaints. Good to hear. I, I all is well in in the world of Justin. I'm just watching the motion picture shows. I watched uh, the Christy Martin documentary on the Netflix there. And that was a lot of fun, especially since I remember her, her comeuppance and, and the crazy story of her near like murder It was intense. So it was kind of fun to relive all these magical moments. And then, um, what else did I watch? I watched freaking, uh, Fletch with uh, Chevy Chase, one of my favorite Chevy Chase movies ever. It's so good and so funny. And then I watched Batman Returns, which actually took me like three days to watch. <laughs> I just kept like, uh, like resetting it and 
and just like trying again and trying again and trying again. And so um, it was it was intense. But other than that, uh, easy peasy. I always hate the part when he bites the guy's nose off. It's like the grossest part in the movie, and it's hard for me to watch. Right. <laughs> could be worse. Yeah. My nose could be gushing blood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would definitely be a, a check in the, the lose column. Exactly. Yeah. What about you? We've been watching. So um, I watched Goodfellas because it'd been a long time since I've seen it. And holy crap, I forgot how amazing that movie is. It's so goddamn good. Um, and then I've been watching a lot of hot ones on YouTube. I watched Tenacious D today, and that was really funny because Jack Black is like the funniest guy in the world. But Hot Ones has been awesome. And then I, I started playing Batman Arkham Knight again. I beat it a long time ago, but I am a huge Batman fan for anyone who doesn't know. And I love the free flow combat of the um, of the Arkham games. And Arkham Knight wasn't received as well, but I still really like it. And there's a lot going on with it. So that's been really fun playing. The thing that always nice. bothered me about those games is it felt like uh, your character is just moving slow. Yeah, and, and I can feel that like when I'm if you don't land on a ledge or if you just misjudge a, a landing or something like that, you know, you, you can't really run after people. It's just hard and you're just a sitting mm. duck for bullets. And I, I don't know. Yeah, it just it, never felt fast. I like yeah, to feel speedy in a game. It's it's clunky at times for sure. Yeah. But I, I really love the free flow combat and I like being able to use different tactics to take down the baddies. The so. story is good. Yeah, the story's pretty awesome. I, I dig it a lot. It's it's pretty dark too. There's a lot of murder. Murder. Murder, you say. But uh yeah. Mark, what are you watching? I I just finished uh, White Lotus on HBO. Ooh. It was kinda having a what felt like a cultural moment. I don't know, maybe just at least in in LA because I see a lot of like the Hollywood reporter headlines and that show is really sort of making waves and I hadn't seen it. I was sleeping on it, so I watched it real quick and found it pretty, pretty dang interesting. I would give it a thumbs up for sure. I don't like the kid in. I haven't seen that, but uh, it, it's on my list. But I don't like the kid in that movie. He was also, or in that show, he was also in the Fear Street series, the first one, and then um, he was in uh, seventh or eighth grade. He plays like a friend. I, that's a horrible description. I'm sorry. And I wish I knew don't his like name. his acting. I don't like his acting. I don't like okay. his face. I don't like his hair. <laughs> I don't like anything about that guy. But he's an actor and I'm not. Yeah, so that but means you, he's better than me. You don't want him on your TV. <laughs> no, <laughs> my TV is reserved for awesome people. Yeah. Not him. <laughs> Get off my TV. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm, I need to watch that one, too, because I am also drinking the Kool-Aid, like everyone says. And I also trust yeah. HBO to make, put out a really awesome content. It was a pretty interesting and nuanced, uh, you know, sort of dissection of the privilege concept as it's a resort on Hawaii. So it's inherently a very privileged destination. And the show really plays with a lot of themes and concepts around that. So I found it pretty interesting. Cool. I'll have to check it out. Oh, geez. My goodness. Well, all right. I mean, honestly, since... Uh, I'm losing my mind. We might as well just get into this crazy motion picture show. Uh, we're going to do Disturbia from 2007. And that feels like so long ago. Now that I, think I, about it. <laughs> I was still in the Navy. Whoa. In the Navy. You were in the Navy. Yeah. For all that was you, a uh, different life. <laughs> overboard fans out there. <laughs> no, it's great. My dad was in the Navy. He was 22 years. Retired commanding senior chief. Oh, wow. Congrats. That's 
I, I could never yeah, do that. I, that I, I helped him out a lot. Yeah, no, congrats <laughs> to him for putting in that time. I yeah, there's no way I could stick it out that long. Yeah, he is. Uh, he's something else. Finding man, up ten all the way. <laughs> he's like uh, he's like shipwrecking GI Joe. Oh he my wears god! A sailor hat everywhere he went. <laughs> Got into bar fights. I feel like if I ever hit rock bottom, that's probably the look I'm going to adopt. You know, when I'm on that's my bender, go. just <laughs> mopping myself up from bar to bar. Yeah, oh, wearing your blues. Yeah, and... my little Dixie cup hat. Yeah. Anchors away, my boy. Yeah. Anchors away. <laughs> Showing off all your taco meat on your chest. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. Oh no, it's hot. That's the way to do it. It's hot. Get a couple tats. Yes. <laughs> Thanks. But yeah, so we're doing Disturbia 2007, my goodness, uh, directed by DJ Caruso, who you might know from Eagle Eye, Two for Damanis, and I am number four. <laughs> wow, I've seen all of these, <laughs> and I think I liked each one a little bit less. I think that's funny how that works. Um, written by Christopher Landon and Carl Ellsworth. The cast includes one Shia LaBeouf, Sarah Romer. Carrie Ann Moss, David Morse, Aaron Yu, Viola Davis, and I guess that's it. David Morse is the big guy, right? He's the, the neighbor? Yeah. He's, a, he's one of those actors where you've seen him in a thousand things, but you don't always remember what his name is. It's kind of a shame. <laughs> that guy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, he's he's in a thousand things, but you, I, don't, I bet you could go like sort of like street walking and just ask people who's David Morse in there. And be like, I don't know. <laughs> Did he invent Morse code? <laughs> Not yeah, a- or you show his picture and say, what's his actor's name? They'd be like, I don't know. Not a household name. No. Yeah. They'd be like, I don't know. He's green mile guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I've seen him in a lot of stuff. Uh, but as far as critical reception goes, it's actually not half bad, surprisingly. Uh, Disturbia is a 69% on the old tomato meter there with an audience score of 77%, which is pretty, pretty good, especially for, I don't know. I guess we'll call it a thriller. Why not? Um, let's see. Derek Malcolm from London Evening Standard, who's a top critic, by the way. Good enough for the front page. See, says Hitchcock would turn in his grave. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I don't know. He's a big guy. I don't know if there's enough room in the casket to allow for turning over. Whoa. <laughs> Just logistically speaking. Well, I don't he's just think he's decomposed. Yeah, he's decomposed. He can you he can squeeze in there. Skeleton is like that much <laughs> larger than any other skeleton of a grown man. <laughs> yeah. His bones are big. He strikes big. me as the kind of guy that we bury with somebody else just for funsies to make it weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There'd be a twist too. See. I bet yeah. he's buried with his riches. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> he might already be upside down. The I would want a clear clear casket, like it's just glass for everyone to look can at. See you. Like the dead girl on the top of the table in Shrek. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. What else we got here? Any other good ones? Uh, How about Tim Grierson from Screen International? Uh, Like its attractive leads, director DJ Caruso's smart teen thriller may be self-conscious, but it's undeniably appealing. Hmm. I think teenage or teen thriller is probably a good description for it okay yeah that's as close as i could think yeah teen thriller that's not too shabby a little shabby but not too shabby uh let's see here and had a budget of 20 million dollars not too bad uh gross the united states 80 million holy smokes 
must have been the only movie in the cinema. <laughs> <laughs> and the opening weekend, it did $22 million. And worldwide, you're looking at $118 million. That, my friends, is a very successful release. Surprising. I mean, it had Shia in the peak of his. Yeah, well, he was a he was a big name at the time. Yeah, it's true. And so pretty much when he did everything. 2007 was when because I mean, Transformers was 2007 as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he was a lot of action. I mean, I went to see it. For but Carrie look at Moss, Transformer but... numbers. Transformer numbers are a little different. Yeah, that's true. I'm that just like... saying like, yeah, his name, I think, alone being attached to this project, it probably attributed to quite a bit of that. Totally. And it was a it was a really big get, you know, like, I mean, he's the biggest name in the movie. <laughs> I mean, yeah. other than David Morse, who's obviously a household name. So, <laughs> But um, what was the release date of Disturbia? Uh, it says, I don't know. It didn't it didn't list it on this budget. Um, hold on, because like uh, hold the phone killer. Hold the phone clock. Can we get a number uh, crunch? <laughs> well, so the thing is, this was April. It came out April 20, April 13th of 2007 and Transformers was for the July weekend. Wow. Uh, the same year. Damn. What a guy. So he hadn't he hadn't hit the Transformers you know fame just yet. Nope, but there was already shy of fever going yeah. into it. Yeah. Oh. Got a fever. I had a fever <laughs> once. Yeah. I hate fevers. The Did um, you sweat it out? <laughs> uh yes. <laughs> I did. Lost a lot of weight that day. Yeah. Not gonna lie. You watch Bone Tomahawk too. <laughs> yeah, that's why. My, so I thought it was a fever dream, but it's a real movie. <laughs> no, no joke. I was like, "Yeah, Kurt Russell's here to save the day," and then he gets eaten by cannibals. Spoiler alert! Whoa! Holy shit! I don't want to watch that now. Holy shit! <laughs> yeah, it's edgy, bro. Ugh. So I couldn't really find much good trivia for this movie. Uh, there were a couple things in it, or a few things, but the copyright hol- holders of Cornell Woolrich's short story, It Had to Be Murder, which Rear Window, 1954. Murder, you say? Uh, Rear Window was based on that uh, short story. They sued DreamWorks, uh, Paramount Pictures, and Steven Spielberg for using the story without permission. In 2010, a federal judge dismissed the suit, ruling the main plots are similar, only at a high, unprotectable level of generality. Where Disturbia is rife with subplots, the short story has none. The setting and mood of the short story are static and tense, whereas the setting and mood of Disturbia are more dynamic and peppered with humor and teen romance. The publishers have a point, though. This is basically just a millennial version of Rear Window. (laughs) Right. Uh, I don't agree with that. I mean, Rear Window sticks to the apartment. Uh, Disturbia goes where it wants. We go to the hardware store. We go to the mall. We go all over. Like, Disturbia is not an isolated, like, bottle like, like Rear Window is. To me, they're completely different films. They don't they don't share much in common at all. They, I think Disturbia pays homage to Rear Window, but yeah, in terms of like the actual story, I mean, short of just they both being stuck inside having to look out and they think they see a murder, that's kind of where it ends for me. Interesting. Okay. Well, I have a question about that later that I want to, I want to, I want to get into because I love Rear Window. I think it's a yeah. damn near perfect movie. So. Oh, um, wow. High praise oh, for yeah. 1950s acting. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. No, but Grace Kelly's in it, and she's, yeah. oh, she's beautiful. She's beautiful. Yeah. Oh, God. You even let the the, way the, the high-speed 
fast forward motion at the end there. Yeah. <laughs> you even let so, that slide. It's so bad. I hate that. But but I was like, I don't care. It was it was damn near perfect up until then. So I, I thought she was a way stronger uh, female oh, yeah. actor than um, the you know, Raymer girl. Yeah, whatever her name is. Sarah, Sarah Raymer. Sarah Raymer. I think her character was pretty, pretty so, weak. So dull. Insert yeah. girl here. <laughs> exactly. <sort of. laughs> you can tell this film is written by guys. Yeah, <laughs> well, I, don't, I don't think that was her fault. No, no it was the right. As a rear window, she had, <laughs> you know, some pretty witty dialogue. Yeah. She was the yeah. smartest person in the room. Oh, she exactly. Was she was very so good. different, very different role. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this movie was originally rated R, but was re-rated PG-13 on appeal. And that's interesting because back in 2007, it was hard to do a a hard R rating because, you know, they didn't it wouldn't make as much money historically. So, of course, you change it to PG-13. But I think this movie is drastically different if you change it to an R rating and add a little more violence to it. Um, I would have liked it more. Uh, but again, I'll save that towards kind of the end. Because you like to see women get murdered? No, I didn't say that. Jeez. <laughs> well, That's the only thing that makes it. Violence. He's like, like the lady's like at the window and yeah. then you see him grab her and like, you know, yeah. off camera kind of yeah, thing. Like, I don't know. Pulled away. Maybe I want a little more violence, huh? Maybe that's how I was feeling. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I was drinking. I was drinking White Claw when I was watching it, so I don't know. Yeah. It's crazy. Wearing your wearing your fingerless gloves. Yeah, exactly. Uh, director the leather ones, <laughs> the ones I like. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> director DJ Caruso felt that the inside or instead of showing his father's mutilated corpse after the car accident, it would be more emotional to show Kale's devastated facial expression and let the audience use their imagination. Um, that was a good move. I I liked it. That was a sad intro to start i don't know why people aren't paying attention on the road and why people stop right in the middle of it but uh there therein lies the car collision so that can happen it happens every single day yeah and i hate being behind large suvs or big trucks for that very same where you can't see in front of you visibility yeah some stupid tahoe or or Denali or some bullshit as our Escalade is going to be in my way. They're going to be on the phone. Then they're going to swerve. And then I'm going to hit whatever they dodge because they were being a Jack. Yeah, I agree. It's this, uh, terrifying. This camera and framing choice really worked for me as well. Um, just in terms of seeing his reaction. I think that was it. Like it serves the story so much more because obviously the father's no longer a part of it. And to like be drawn into Shia's performance in that moment, I think really sets the stage for, you know, sucking, you know, the suture, what, what have you of like bringing us into the next phase where he starts to lash out. I, mm-hmm. I think without that, that tipping point right there uh him lashing out wouldn't feel so real Mm -hmm. i agree because i mean you know he punches his teacher because he's like what would your father think and he's like fuck you man transformers right if we had just seen a mutilated body like i'm not sure i i it works so much more for me to see kale reacting to that i agree I, i i think so too especially at that low angle and it's pointed up and stuff so agreed Well, um, for anyone who has not seen this, this is the spoiler synopsis. So troubled by the sudden death of his father in a car accident, teenager Cale Brecht punches his teacher who invokes his father while reprimanding him at school. For the assault, Cale is sentenced by a sympathetic judge to three months under house arrest with an ankle monitor and a proximity sensor. Cale is initially happy with his punishment, watching television and playing video games. But his mother, Julie, soon cuts his cable and internet access. Kale's boredom leads him to watch his neighborhood, including his next door neighbor, Robert Turner. 
One night, Kale becomes suspicious of Turner after he returns home in a 1960s Ford Mustang with a dented fender, which matches the description of a car given on a news report of a serial killer at large. Whoa. Kale befriends Ashley Carlson, the new girl in town, and is and his immediate neighbor. The pair begin to spy on Turner along with Kale's best friend, Ronnie. They observe Turner arrive home with a woman. She is then seen running around his house in a panic, but later appears to leave in her car. The following day, Kale asks Ashley to follow Turner to the supermarket so that Ronnie can break into Turner's car to get the code of the garage controller. Caught and, caught and intimidated by Turner at the parking lot, Ashley quits spying on Turner to Kale's disappointment. Ronnie realizes he left his phone in Turner's car and breaks into Turner's house with, with Kale watching at a distance. While inside, Ronnie gets trapped when the garage door closes. Kale attempts to rescue him, but alerts the police upon leaving his property with the ankle monitor. The police arrive and search the garage and find nothing but a bag containing a roadkill deer. In an attempt to ask Turner to not press charges for Kale's breaking and entering, Julie goes across the street to talk to Turner, while Ronnie reveals that he has escaped from Turner's house. Kale watches the video Ronnie made while running through Turner's house, and he notices a corpse wrapped in, a plast in plastic in a vent. Meanwhile, next door, Turner incapacitates Julie and holds her captive. Turner then enters Kale's house, knocking out Ronnie and binding and gagging Kale. He reveals his plan to frame Kale for the murders and make it appear that Kale then killed himself. Ashley arrives, giving Kale a chance to attack Turner. He throws him from the top of the stairs before Ashley frees him from his bindings. They then jump out the window into the pool as Turner resurfaces. Kale's ankle monitor again alerts the police, and he enters Turner's home to search for his mother. In a hidden room, Kale finds ample evidence of Turner's previous murders, including a woman's dress and wig, indicating Turner pretended to be the woman leaving the house uh, the night Kale and Ashley were watching. The officer who monitors Kale's escapes arrives at the scene, but Turner breaks his neck. Meanwhile, Kale stumbles upon the decaying remains of murder victims, as well as their driver's licenses and belongings, and finds his mother bound and gagged. Turner appears... Uh, what? Turner appears, slashes Kale in the back, and pins him to a wall. But before Turner can kill Kale, Julie stabs him in the leg with a dagger, allowing Kale to grab a pair of gardening shears and impale Turner in the chest with them, finally killing him. In the aftermath, Kale is shown having his ankle bracelet removed by the authorities for good behavior. Later, he gets revenge on his young neighbors, the Greenwood Boys, who, damn Greenwood Boys, who had pulled pranks on Kale previously. After that, he kisses Ashley on his sofa while Ronnie playfully videotapes them. That's yeah, odd. Yeah, let's talk about that because <laughs> any camera that has a fucking zoom button on, they are just constantly oh, zooming. Oh, wow, it's so and hard it, to see. It's like a perfect picture, and then they <laughs> zoom into where it's just all pixelated and dumb. I'm like, what is wrong with these people? It's enough with the zoom. I'm going to take the camera away from you. I don't know how to use it. It's uh, very odd, and that was bugging me because I'm like, I get what you're trying to do, but it makes it harder to see what's going on in the whole thing. Yeah, <laughs> piss me off. It's amateur, amateur porn there. See, yeah. But uh, gentlemen, so when did you first see Disturbia, and what were your thoughts then, and have they changed since? Let's start with Mark. Yeah, I I caught this back in 2007, I think maybe it was 2008, uh, but around when it came out uh, during its pretty initial hype appeal. Uh, I thought it was a little too heavy on the teen romance angle uh, when I initially saw it. And just in general, I thought it's an okay movie, but it was fairly unremarkable to me. Uh, I mean, it's shot unremarkably. It The story was 
mostly good up until the end. Um, but now rewatching it, um, actually having lost my father in between the time that I had initially seen this movie and now, uh, the story actually was a lot more impactful to me on this viewing. Um, I connected to him a bit more initially when he loses his father. And so I actually did like the story uh, quite a bit more on this, uh, this viewing uh, simply because of events in my own life that have, that have happened. Yeah. Right on, man. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I, and I'm the same way too. Like any, anytime there's father stuff, you know, it's hard for me. So I I get I get what you're you're saying. And I think you're you're absolutely right what you were saying earlier, how it was more impactful that way. Mm -hmm. And that explains why he lashes out more, because if he was just lashing out to lash out, I'd be like, well, this is stupid. But there's a lot more weight and gravity to it, you know. Right. And just, yeah, now I can appreciate and connect to that a little bit more, I think, than than I initially could. Whereas I was seeing it as kind of a corny, uh, corny plot sort of uh Team you know love. like a cwt yeah exactly CW. <laughs> uh i was able to view it more as like a how the events transpire and if you are that age how how you might cope and react and and yeah. and it felt a lot more visceral to me on this viewing right on that's good to hear what about you justin uh yeah so i saw this in the theater and i enjoyed it i mean i recognized right away that it was a uh, pretty much a a remake of or a retelling rather of rear window, but I didn't mind. I'm always a sucker for remakes. So I didn't really care, but um, I, I, I enjoyed it. And yeah, I think that teen romance was pretty heavy, but um, you know, I, I'm here for it. I love movies that teens can relate to. Uh, I think that they're important, especially when it's a horror or suspense movie. I think that those are always the fun ones to watch at like slumber parties and stuff. And so, uh, when I watch a movie that is geared for a younger audience, I try to just remember the movies that I watched when it was a bunch of my friends over and, and we were just kind of hanging out and this would be right up our alley. We would love something like this. Right on. Yeah, I think I also saw it in theaters um, and I and I was pretty pumped because it was Shia LaBeouf, you know, and I watched even Stevens all the time. I liked the movie Holes. He was in iRobot and Constantine. And so I, I you know, Chaz I was, Kramer. Chaz Kramer asshole, but uh, <laughs> I was excited about it. But um, I think I appreciated it more this viewing and, and just kind of the same reasons Mark was saying too. I I've seen a lot of Shia LaBeouf's work and we'll get into that later too in a later question, but seen a lot of his work and um, I appreciate his acting. He's a weirdy, but um, but I get I kind of get, you know, maybe a little bit where he's coming from. So totally now. We talked about this earlier and Mark was touching base on it, but uh, Disturbia is a reimagining of the Alfred Hitchcock masterpiece Rear Window. While it takes many liberties and different paths, it essentially uses the same ideas. How did this movie hold up as a reimagining to the classic? And why would they even attempt to remake a near perfect film? Let's go with Justin to start. (laughs) Sure. So um, I do think like I I mean, like I just said, I I do think remakes and reimaginings are good for a modern audience. Uh, When you watch a movie like Rear Window through a modern day lens, sometimes you're just like, well, why didn't he just whip out a smartphone and do this or that? You know, (laughs) like, why doesn't he have a camera phone? Stuff like that. Um, So it's hard. It can be hard for uh, a newer generation to uh, understand and respect uh, older films. And that's why I think that remakes, especially for horror movies, I think it's a good thing. 
uh, just to kind of keep it keep it alive, keep it relevant. Um, and then like, well, if you like this, then maybe check out the original and then they might even have a newfound respect for it. Um, I think that that's always a, a good idea. And the thing with with Rear Window, we were talking about this earlier. Um, they are similar, uh, but, you know, uh, one of the things that's interesting is that the the female lead in Rear Window is the smartest person in the room. She's 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 aware of what's going on, you know, and and she wants to live this uh, a fun life. And, and you can see that there are a couple that that's on the verge of breaking up, right? They're about to go on two different paths. Whereas in this movie, they're meeting for the first time. And uh, what I one thing I like about Rear Window, too, is that uh, it, the murder isn't so in your face, right? It's it's more exploring the lives of other people and everyone in this apartment complex. And they all have their own stories. And, the, and even the detective was like, you know, you're looking at people uh, in their in their most private moments and you're you're sort of betraying this trust that exists, you know, with your neighbors and and I think that that's really true. And, you know, the things that we do when we're alone are different when there's somebody in the room with us. And the cool thing about Rear Window was, you know, this guy is taking care of his invalid wife. And then all of a sudden she's just gone. Like, well, what happened? Where'd she go? <laughs> she go on a trip, you know, and then and then, you know, start piecing it together. And I really dug that. That was more of a mystery. This one's more of an in your face. This is a bad man. Let me get some gotcha journalism and, and get him on tape and send it to TMZ kind of thing. <laughs> Two very different vibes. Yeah. Mark? Yeah. Uh, great, great note to end on because that's kind of what it comes down for me is the feeling that I get between the two films is so drastically different. Uh, when I'm watching Rear Window, it's um, it's heady. Uh, the, the performance, again, it being from the 50s, it's over the top and that draws you in in a completely different way. Uh, it's not like overacted or anything corny. It's just a very different way that the characters present themselves. And the just the hook into that world is it's all through the perspective of this one window. And it's just such a unique, interesting way to actually shoot it. It is remarkably shot because it's unique in the way it does shot compositions and tells, you know, frame within a frame stories about each of these different characters that he's, that he's viewing. Uh, and Disturbia is just so drastically different in terms of the sense the sensibility that I get about it, exactly what you were saying, Justin, about this is the type of film I would watch as a teenager with my friends. Yeah, exactly. Rear window is, doesn't really check that same box for me. Uh, the, the feeling that I get from these two films is so different. And that's maybe why I have a hard time thinking of it as like a remake or a reboot or uh, anything similar. And, and I just, I can really see where they paid homage to, to the film um, in the way that like, you know, these characters are stuck in a physical space, I think b both by their own devices, if I'm not mistaken, I can't remember how he breaks his leg in rear window, but I, he already has it broken. Yeah. But, but he broke it somehow. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think they, they talked about it. I think he was yeah. on like a photography adventure or something like that. Cause he was a photographer. But so like you Jeffries. have these, it was in a chess match. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> These characters are like trapped by their own decisions to some degree, and uh, they're disenfranchised from the outer outside world. And I think they both try and play this game of like walking on the knife's edge of making the protagonist appear like they might be crazy because they're isolated from the outside world. 
uh, to the other characters in the film. And I think that that sort of drives a lot of the suspense in each of them. So I do find that similar and um, think that both films kind of walk that same line to, to get a lot of their suspense. I agree. I don't and know if th- that makes sense. No, it makes sense. I mean, that's why I liked Rear Window so much is because Hitchcock is, ha- ha- has so much nuance in his films and it's, it's it's just it's beautiful what he does because this movie, almost every minute of it, aside from the the fast paced, sped up scene of Jeffrey's falling out the window <laughs> takes place in the apartment. So so yeah. as, as a as a viewer, we are not omnipresent, which is weird for us because in Disturbia, we, we become omnipresent at points. And in this one, um, or in rear window, you know, we're, we're experiencing it from the, the standpoint of Jeffrey's mm-hmm. of Jimmy Stewart's character. I mean, mm-hmm. even the intro, there's like no words. It's all just the, um, the sound from the, the, the neighborhood around him and the, the tenement. Um, and it, it's just, it's so well done because we're in this mystery of the, I think Justin might've been saying it of, well, did he kill his wife or is she right. just on a vacation? Like what the hell happened? Yeah. And Lars, uh, you never yeah. trust a guy named Lars. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and, and the, the, the issue I had with, with Disturbia was from the get go, Mr. Most recognizable David Morse. I was like, Oh, he's the bad guy. Like he definitely, right. Did. He really plays the villain, but to Disturbia's credit, they are fairly slow at, you know, even introducing uh, the banged up Mustang happens. That's true. A good way in. And then it's pretty far in where we actually get a confirmation of the murder, right? When he finally drops the video camera and we finally see the body in the, that's pretty deep in the film. Yeah. So like, yeah, he plays a villain, but that's the whole gimmick like because the film isn't giving us any other clues yet to go on like any other concrete evidence so to me him playing the villain kind of works but it's a totally different gimmick than what rear window did which i think was so much better right and i i agree i just i want to leave it with this too um hbo max their description for disturbia says voyeurism lands a troubled teen in the sights of a possible serial serial killer in this update of alfred hitchcock's rear window wow <laughs> so they are hedging They're all their bets on that it. one <laughs> well probably because if they market it as True. a remake of mm-hmm. rear window that'll drive a lot more like what what's going to give it staying power all the boomers right? <laughs> well, all the boomers does, are going to watch it does disturbia on its own looked at as a film on its own have staying power for the next decade two decades is it going to become a cult classic or do they need to market it as oh no this is a remake of rear window which has staying power rear window is not going anywhere so like do they preserve disturbia's legacy by hitching it onto rear window yeah that seems like that's a really good yeah no that's a really good point i agree with you i i think i think you're on the money for that one there friendo I, i just think that rear window was you know i i would argue that yes it is a far superior film uh, I think that's a given, but I think what makes it better is the clues. Like we're playing along like it's a total mm-hmm. fucking murder podcast and they're going over the clues and, <laughs> and what's different, the jewelry, the luggage, the time he leaves, when he comes back, how he sits in a fucking dark room and it's really weird. <laughs> and then at the same time, you know, there's the murder of the dog, right? It's just found in the in the apartment complex and it's a it's a ruckus. And stuff like that was really weird. And and then it also has the cat and mouse vibe, too. But at the same time, 
we're also we never forget about the other neighbors, which this movie, which Disturbia definitely does. We get the one introduction about the the lady that goes on her walks or whatever, and then you know the husband comes home and sleeps with the maid. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the only real, aside from the boys uh, that do their their whatever their pranks. Yeah, I don't remember what their, their hijinks. The, the Greenwood green boys. Yeah, yeah. Greenwood boys. Greenwood boys. boys yeah. at it again. <laughs> but I mean that. Whereas Rear Window, the the heart and soul is the community, right? And I and I think that that goes a, a long way. And and while I do think that uh, Jeffrey's James Stewart's character is a little weird, uh, you know, for wanting to spy on all these people and, and, and his friends, it's his friends that are saying, what are you doing, dude? But it didn't take a whole lot of convincing for them to come around. Even the maid was like, like uh, kind of on board. Like, what are you, what are you doing here? <laughs> you know, whereas, cause it's kind of fun. There is an intrigue. I think there's some sort of weird human nature thing to where you kind of want to see what's going on behind you know, well, that a, curtain. It's a little like gossip. Yeah. Yeah. You know, spilling the tea. Like, whereas in this movie, no one's really interested in what uh, Shia LaBeouf is, is trying to, to sell. Yeah. I agree. Right. Even the police. Whereas one of his best friends is it's a police a detective. Officer. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, look, man, you can't just go, can't have you going around <laughs> fucking spying on people. There are laws that protect people from shit like this. Meanwhile, in this one, Shia dumps out a crate of surveillance yeah. equipment. Yeah. <laughs> there are rules. This isn't NOM. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Well, I, I want to talk about remakes for a minute. So on this show, I have expressed my thoughts on, on, on why I think remakes can be tricky. And we just kind of talked about that for a little bit. Um, and I personally dislike when a film is remade just as a cash cow. I'm looking at you, Ghostbusters. Here's a call or whatever it's called. Well, are we talking call. remakes or reboots? Boots. They're different. Boots. They are different. I think boots. Okay. Well, let's talk boots. But I would prefer if the film is presented with new themes, updated elements, or enhanced aspects of the original movie. So I'm looking at films like Ocean's Eleven, uh, the 2009 Friday the 13th, which was kind of a culmination of four movies, which was awesome. Uh, the Departed, and of course, one of my favorites of all time, The Thing. Those are just to name a few. Okay, well, what, let me throw a wrench in that. Where Ooh. does like something like Dune land? Dune? Don't ask Justin about Dune. Yeah, he'll considering say, the first dumb. one sucks ass <laughs> in a bad way, I'm more Plus, than welcome another Dune. <laughs> Plus, you have the Sci-Fi Channel original, which was decent. Yeah. So, so this well, is a third foray into it. Is it a remake? No, so certainly here- not. Is it a reboot? Mm, I mean, I think it's a reboot because there's planned sequels. Yeah, yeah, correct. Yeah. So I I think it's, you know, and and I think it's it's tricky because sci-fi is one of those ones. Sci-fi and horror are are kind of like, I wouldn't say anomalies, but they're you you can definitely remake and reboot sci-fi and horror because I feel like it's meant to be. And Justin was talking about technology and stuff, too, where I want to see updated tech. Um, I want to see updated uh, aspects, but 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 they still can present different things. So like Friday the 13th, they include uh, Jason being this backwoodsman booby trapping, chasing after people, son of a bitch. And it's a lot scarier than him just walking after people. Um, and so it, it's it's such an interesting idea that they've added to it. But with Dune, like I'm I'm halfway through the book and I, I like the book. I think mm-hmm. it's good, but I am saving because I've actually never seen the uh, David Lynch version and I'm saving it to finish this. And then, of course, I'm going to go see the new one because that cast is out of this world. 
So yeah. I don't know, you know, I, I, but that's sci-fi. I feel like that, that, that allows the opportunity to be remade. Right. And it's visually compelling. Right? Absolutely. Like you watch the trailer and a little bit of pee comes out because it's just so <laughs> beautiful. Whereas, I mean, like Clash of the Titans had that problem too. That's like a 1980 movie and it looks like it was made 2000 years ago. <laughs> and and it's terrible. But then even the remake, what it's not a good movie, but I would say that it's a 10,000 times better than the, than the 1980 version. True. Yeah. And and I, I feel like with something like this, I mean, the only thing really for let's let's just for a minute pretend Rear Window and Disturbia are are sequels. What is the point of remaking it? I mean, you're getting new technology, but mm-hmm. other than trying to capture that millennial audience, isn't that kind of a, a cash cow like sellout? Well, but look at Fortnite, right? They release new skins, and that's how they make their money. It's true. It's a free to play game. That's a cash cow. <laughs> but that, that's what I'm saying. So if you take a if you take something and reskin it and make it appealing to a new market demographic, then yeah, that's just being a, making a cash cow. That's exactly how <laughs> Fortnite works. True. Right. And I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Only because uh, I mean, for several reasons. One. Um, it kickstarts, uh, you know, a love for a genre for true, one thing, true, uh, true. especially if you're a younger audience and then you're like, wow, this was really good. Then that starts the conversation. What else is like this? And then that's when you go down the rabbit hole and then you see all these amazing things. And then let's say that you did see it and you liked it. And then someone was like, well, uh, let me tell you this movie's cute and all, but let me show you where the original came from and show you how brilliant it is. You know, there, there was a different way of speaking in, in the fifties. And uh, the, the banter was just a lot more quicker and sharper. And I, I think that there's something to be gained from that, especially from a from a Hitchcock technical standpoint. I mean, I'm, I'm talking to a professional uh, cameraman right now. And like just the way the movie is shot, you learn to to appreciate things differently. And then that in turn goes down the rabbit hole. And then you start looking at movies differently. Once you can once you have some sort of education or crash course on how movies are made and what they had to do to pull this off, then you start to look at things through a different lens. And it, and it, I think that reboots and remakes are, are good for that very reason. Yeah, De- definitely inherent value in that. Not to mention it, it can launch new people's careers, you know, yeah, like, all the jobs it starts. Th- this is a careers. great opportunity for new, new players to enter the game. So there's a lot of good reasons to do it. The only downside I see is we're getting less and less original IP. That's where I'm coming from. So little new original IP and so little money is going to original IP. If you look at all the big projects being funded, they're all existing IP. The only people getting, you know, new projects through are like Nolan, uh, Tarantino, everything else that's existing IP that that studios are greenlighting with big budgets. Mm -hmm. So that's my main concern with it. Right. And and I I agree with that too. And I mean I I see where you where you guys are saying. So maybe I'll 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 lessen my my grasp on the I don't really like remakes because I mean that's that's hypocritical of me because I mean I guarantee that for all the reasons like Justin was saying too about um it puts you on a path of oh I like movies and you can critically think. I mean I know Mark and I through college he's somebody Mark somebody I look at um from an analytical standpoint where I'm like holy shit that totally makes sense and I mean you know, watching drive or any Nicholas winding Riffin films Hell marks yeah. like, Oh yeah, this is the, the, I don't know, chromatic thing. And it <laughs> displays this. And I'm like, yep. Uh-huh. And then I pick it up. And I'm like, Oh my God, Holy shit. I get it. But I mean, just seeing, seeing that I totally can see the merit in it. And, and, and I didn't hate Disturbia. No, no, no. I liked it. Don't get me wrong. But 
I just feel that sometimes remakes can be so fucking tired and I'm an original movie kind of guy, but I understand that I'm also a cinephile and not everyone thinks the way I think everyone wants. <laughs> everyone wants Marvel, which is not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not yeah. a bad thing. I love Marvel, but I'm just kind of like burnt out from that kind sure. of shit. So, but, but I mean, like, uh, like Evil Dead, you know, I, I am on record really enjoying the shit out of that, that reboot. I yeah. thought it was so awesome. Oh, yeah. and so much fun. Yeah. I listened to that one. I listened to that episode. I love that episode. Teddy Alvarez. And that's yeah. a, that's a, that's another horror movie, right? And he made that movie and it was successful. And then he got on to, to do like, don't breathe. You know, he started, Ooh, yeah. you know, he, he did get to do something a little bit more uh, fun and festive. It's like, you do the reboot to make the money and then they give you a blank check to go do something else. That's so, I mean, enough, that, yeah. that kind of works with the building blocks too. Um, I think that, you know, Mad Max is a sequel slash reboot slash get everyone excited about Mad Max again. That's been but going it's on also for like original years. IP. Exactly. It, it really is like that's original. Um, same director, too, right? Same so. director. <laughs> same. Re- and he wrote it. He wrote down the idea as a trilogy. He wants to do yeah. you know, a whole nother trilogy. Right. It's a continuation. It, it is a reboot, but it's also like it, it's got that tender, loving and care put into it of like, no, this is also part of the original source material right 100 percent dread you know that's that's another one uh where the first one wasn't terribly impressive <laughs> and then, then the new one in the 2012 movie is fucking badass i yeah. love dread i think it's so good well how about james gunn's suicide squad same thing yeah not yeah. bad he tried you can tell he really tried to like make a movie mm-hmm. that we you know haven't seen yeah and it's 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 a sequel slash reboot slash <laughs> just add the in front of it. <laughs> it's basically the same thing, you know, it's but crazy with like an auteur dabble, like tweak to it, you know, just mm-hmm. like a little, a little spice on top. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, so, I mean, I, I do think that there's some merit to it and even like spinoffs to a degree, you know, like Cruella, for example, you know, 101 Dalmatians came out, whatever, like 70 years ago. And that's great. And I can enjoy it. And then they tried the live action one, right, with Glenn Close. And then then there's this Cruella movie. And I thought there was no way in a billion trillion fucking years I would enjoy this movie. And I loved it. I thought it was so fun. And I think that that's that's crazy. But that's it's not it's not like a live action 101 Dalmatians. It's not like Aladdin. No. It's not like Beauty and the Beast. It's not like Lion King where, or and Jungle Book where they're they're just doing the same story, but now live action. <laughs> Gus it's, Van Zandt's Psycho. <laughs> it's a whole new story. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah, fuck that movie. The Shot for Shot remake or whatever. That's yeah. terrible. What I but, like about that is that they're taking something we grew up on and fell in love with and knew, and they're expanding the canon around it. Yeah. Right. And yeah. that's really fascinating to me. Right. Exactly. So I count that. As, I mean, I know it's not technically original IP, but in a weird way, it is. It's mm-hmm. it's expanding on something that already existed that building this this character. And I think that that's fun. Yeah. And I can get behind that. I mean, I was having this conversation with a friend the other day about, you know, she was asking me what my favorite TV shows of all time are. And I was I was like, oh, Breaking Bad's up there. But I, I said, I was like, but you know what? I could almost argue that Better Call Saul is a better show than Breaking Bad. Oh, I would and, argue that to, to I would die on that hill. Yeah, <laughs> which is which is insane. But I mean, I mean, there's I don't want to go too far into it. But I mean, it's it's a show where we know the stakes. It's a prequel. So it's a spinoff of it. And we know what's going to happen to Saul. But every decision he makes, you're like, ooh, he might do the right thing. But the outcome's not going to change. But I think that's the brilliance of that show. And so something like Cru- Cruella, which I haven't seen yet, 
I love the idea of building the the canonical world around her and why did she become so cruel, right? And I also love Emma Stone, like absolutely love Emma Stone. So yeah, yeah. I, I think that's going to be an interesting thing going forward for future generations. Uh, is there going to, you know, these young kids are going to grow up watching, you know, either an original or remake or reboot or whatever it is, and they're going to get inspired and they're eventually going to become filmmakers and they're going to get handed by a studio, you know, one of these reboots or remakes to make and it's just going to keep getting rehashed generation after generation you know relevant to the context of the time and to me there's something like lovely about that like everything's documented and we can always go back and retrieve it but to humanity's like core survival benefit is its ability to build on what came before and just keep remixing and right so to me i really like that I, I I want it to continue, even if it's kind of bad, kind of cheesy, kind of just cash cow grabs. It, it's still cool to see each new generation be like, well, I see it like this. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Especially if you have, you know, we talk about Edgar Wright on this podcast all the time. He has a really fun way of editing and, and it's it's beautiful. Yeah. And turning a mundane task into something that's fun to watch. It's like, yeah. well, I can watch this guy drink coffee all day long. And I like right <laughs> <Yes>. movies, <laughs> which is totally. really weird. And um, awesome soundtrack and tons of awesome editing. And you're yeah. just like, whoa, yeah, <laughs> so it's, good. Just a, it's just a fresh face. You know, it's like it's, you know, the, the old the old school, uh, the old school film student doesn't exist anymore. You know, like you're yeah, there's always going to be those those Spielbergs and stuff. But it's this new generation that's changing the way we make movies. And I'm and I'm here for it. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. And as for as for as for Better Call Saul, real quick, <laughs> the reason that is fucking better is because we're surrounded by characters we enjoy. There's not a single character in Breaking Bad that you actually root for until fucking Saul shows up. <laughs> They're all terrible people. Whereas yeah. Better Call Saul, you're rooting for everybody. Minus minus Chuck. Chuck's a POS. But, Chuck is a piece of shit. But everyone else you really like. Even Howard has his own little weird way of being like that asshole, but my kind of asshole kind of yeah. thing. So. Yeah. It's more relatable. Yeah, so, so much 100%. more relatable. Mike, which is good for TV. Like that's such a core tenant of TV is that the characters are relatable. Right. Totally. Even, even Nacho, who's like, who's a bad guy, but he's like conflicted. You're just like, oh, sorry, man. He's probably got an upset stomach tonight. He does not like what went down. <laughs> I agree, and uh, this is a, a, definitely a plug for Better Call Saul. Netflix, please put uh, season five on there because I am behind and I don't want to buy the entire season. Oh man, that's but too bad. Uh, it was good I know, one. I know, I'm really <laughs> pissed because. I really want to see it. So, yeah, the first four I binged the hell out of. But, uh, yeah, Better Call Saul. Fantastic. But um, let's move along. So have you guys ever had a neighbor that made you uneasy? And uh, did you ever interact with them? How about Mark? Let's start with you. I've, you know, I've lived all over the country in a lot of different neighborhoods. And I usually get on pretty good with my neighbors. Uh, When I was living in North Hollywood, I had a, I caught a neighbor shower naked outside a couple of times. <laughs> that was sort of interesting. <laughs> um, but you know, yeah, I interacted with him. We we became friends, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you know, it's a tale as old as time. Yeah. So I don't know. I've never had a neighbor that I felt uneasy about. I've always kind of, you know, made peace with my neighbors. And now I I live, you know, amongst the Armenians, so I've made peace with them as well. Sweet. 
<laughs> neighbors to have. Yeah, dude, there's such a sense of community here. It's cool to see again. It's something I hadn't really seen in LA in a while, but here you can you can feel that there's some community. Yeah. What about you, Justin? I don't think so. I I really wish I had a creepy neighbor. But I don't. <laughs> Just watching you eat ice cream cones outside oh, yeah. as a kid. I would I would stare right back. I'm fucking <laughs> Pro stare contest, man. I would just like lick a lollipop and stare right back at him. Jesus Christ. Be amazing. I I don't really remember from my childhood necessarily any creepy neighbors. I'm sure, you know, I mean, I was I was oblivious to all of it, though. I was like, when do we get to eat food next? And um, so I'm sure that there were some weird things. But uh, I definitely have um, kind of this uh kind of this weird couple that actually just moved out across the way. And I think they were going through a divorce because I was watching them from my, my ground level basement unit apartment and their um, backyard was like right across from me. So it was pretty hard to not do it. And I've, I watched them for a few years. That sounds really weird. And I kind of built my own narrative around it about what was kind of going on with their lives. And I think they're going through a divorce, but they just moved out completely. So I don't know. I guess the world will never know. I should probably follow them to their new place and figure out what's going on. So, <laughs> hey guys, <laughs> hey, remember me? So, um, but yeah, I mean, I is think it married, single, or it's complicated. There you go. I, I I think it's important to have good neighbors, but um, it's like State it, Farm. Yeah, like a good neighbor, State Farm's there. So having, but it, it's inevitable to find maybe find one that you're like, ah, uh, they're a little odd. They're not duck. Um, so Shia LaBeouf, let's talk about him. He is such an interesting actor. He started out as a promising young child actor who eventually blossomed into the next big superstar with roles like with roles in Transformers, Disturbia and Indiana Jones Four, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, the best Indiana Jones better than Raiders. Unfortunately, drugs and personal issues removed him. Well, mostly just alcohol removed him from the spotlight and viewers kind of forgot about him. In the past four years, he has made some pretty solid comeback movies and has kind of solidified himself as a more serious actor in films like Fury, The Peanut Butter Falcon, Honey Boy, all of them. What are your thoughts on Shia LaBeouf? Uh, have you always liked him or disliked him? And is he the type of leading actor that you want? How about Justin? Uh, yeah, I mean, I like him in this era. I like this era, Shia LaBeouf. I like the 2007 where he was just in every fucking movie that you went to go see. Um, I like him as Ladies Man Two One Seven and Transformers. Um, <laughs> someone working, <laughs> yeah, someone working. Are you Ladies Man Two One Seven? No, it's good stuff. Uh, I really like because he's kind of spazzy in Transformers, and I kind of like that. Um, but then he got a little weird. You know, he had like those incidences at the like the convenience stores, and and he has like this weird feud with Frankie uh, Nunez. Munez? Yeah. yeah. It's kind of weird. I don't know. <laughs> and Frankie's like, what are you talking about, guy? Like, like they were in like a Malcolm in the Middle audition together once or something. And and they just kind of rubbed each other the wrong way, I guess. But it's really weird. <laughs> I know. I know. It's so strange. And um, I don't know. I, I enjoy this era of, of Shia LaBeouf, for sure. Especially the first two Transformer movies. After that, then I kind of I, I zone out a bit. But um, yeah. I, I I don't really like Indiana Jones, uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I don't think he brought anything new to the table, but that movie was the problem all on its own. <laughs> but I don't think he was the problem. I yeah. just, it, it just wasn't that good. But uh, yeah, then I just kind of fall. I, I don't want to say falling out, but I literally just didn't see him in anything else. I think 
um, Wall Street. The, yeah. the sequel to Wall Street. Money Never like, Sleeps. Yeah, that might have been like his last new movie that I had seen. I haven't seen any of his new like art house stuff. So here's his six year run from 2005 to 2011. So he's got great, the greatest game ever played, A Guide to Recognizing Your Saints, Bobby, Disturbia, Surfs Up, Transformers, um, Indiana Jones 4, New York I Love You, Eagle Eye, with that movie with Michelle Monaghan, mm-hmm. uh, Transformers, Revenge of the Fallen, Wolf or Wall, ugh, Wall Street, Money Never Sleeps, then the third Transformers movie, and then that was it. And then he does Lawless the next year, which was kind of meh. But that's a pretty good run for six years. That's a lot of movies. You named off like 600 movies. Yeah, that's a pretty good run. (laughs) So, I mean, you know, I I totally understand. He seemed like he was everywhere, and he was going to be the next thing. And you're saying 2007. He was in four movies in 2007. It's crazy. That's a a lot. It's crazy shit. And, you know... uh, he had he had kind of had like the breakout with holes and then, you know, the the small two roles in um well he had Charlie's Angels, right? He was like the little biker kid or whatever, and then there was iRobot and Constantine, all small stuff, but then Greatest Game Ever Played, you know, he's he's like the lead in that, right? Yeah. And then yeah. then Disturbia and then Sky's the Limit. Yeah. Pretty crazy. Mine's just been too much too fast. I mean, I have to imagine that all of this work would be some serious strain on your mental health. Right. And I don't know oh, any yeah. human being that would be able to to handle that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I watched his uh his press junket interview for Disturbia, and the guy interviewing him asks, uh, so you know, Transformers is coming out. Uh are you you're like gonna be this the new action guy? And he's like, No, uh, no, I don't want that at all. Hmm. Uh he's like, I I'll do. He says he's only going to do one. He ends up doing more. Obviously, the money was too good. But he's like, I. Why would I? It, Transformers is already the top of action. If I was to do action after that, then you know, the, it's going to be less than Transformers. The only way to place to go is down. Um, and I thought that was a really interesting perspective. He he knew right away. Like, no, I I don't want to be pigeonholed as like this action guy. So I I thought that was very insightful for him. I I've been watching him since the Even Stevens days. Me too. And I I loved him <laughs> in Holes. Um, you know I, I I always liked him, and I actually watched Honey Boy uh, recently. Me too. Just, just to get some more perspective on his life. Like I really didn't know a lot about sort of what was going on behind the scenes and and yeah now it makes sense that you know he was working to try and keep his family together mm-hmm. uh, so all of those movies that whole run of movies yeah he was just having in mental crisis trying to keep his his mom and dad and you know family unit together yeah i agree and i you know i liked i liked honey boy it didn't deliver as much as i wanted it to but i, I really got a better perspective of because i mean it, it yeah. essentially it was it was his film I and mean, he played his dad so he, it was a very yeah. cathartic film for him right and um it makes I a whole lot of it. sense yeah the, the performance he gives is really cool because you know he's talking down to his son in the film and mm-hmm. you've got to imagine that you know that's exactly what his father was talking down to him like mm-hmm. And um, he he saw he watched it with his dad and his dad really enjoyed it, too, because they've since mended, you know, the relationship mm-hmm. and stuff. So I think that that's really interesting. And and he was also in this really intense movie called Pieces of a Woman. And um, mm. that has uh, the beautiful, beautiful girl. And she's an amazing actress. What is her goddamn name? Uh, Vanessa Kirby. She was in uh, the Hobbs and Shaw movie. And she was in 
um, Mission Impossible 7. She's the tall, beautiful blonde girl. But um, he plays the boyfriend, baby daddy, and uh, he, he does a really good job in that role, too. But that's a very, very heavy, serious movie. And so mm-hmm. he's coming back. Um, you know, he's doing a lot more now where he's a little more grounded. And I think he's kind of keeping to himself instead of his whole I am not famous and his right, you know, his red carpet shenanigans. Yeah. So but it's 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 not for us to get inside someone's head and call someone crazy because we don't know what's right. going on with their lives. Just and, we just judge his acting. Yeah, exactly. Which yeah. I do. I, I, I like and I think, you know, he, I do want him as a lead actor. I like you know, that he doesn't necessarily look like a lead actor. He looks more like a, an every person, very approachable and his comedic uh, delivery to most lines, I think really works well. <laughs> Chaz Kramer asshole. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it doesn't come off too annoying. Um, yeah. It's just, it's, I, I like the way he, he plays most situations. Yeah, I agree. You know, I'm not, I, I I've never really disliked the guy. Mm-hmm. He, he, he did the things he did and that, that was that. So, yeah. So Mark, and I know, I mean, I'm sure Justin is too, but Mark, uh, when I think of you for film, I think of the matrix. I know that you are a huge, the matrix fan. Oh yeah. So, so carry broke and, my brain, dude, it broke, it broke everything in my body. I have a new, <laughs> I, I had to get a new body. I had to go into yeah. that, the, you know, the fluid and come out and pull the hoses out. It was crazy. <laughs> So Carrie Ann Moss's portrayal of Trinity in those films is one of the most iconic in film history. She's just one of those, you know, the flying kick is amazing, all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Once you play such an important character, it can be really hard to kick that reputation. How do you think she did in this movie? And can you think of any other actors who will only be remembered for one specific role? Oh, man. So when I was watching uh, Disturbia this time around, I was watching it with my buddy Cole and his girlfriend. Oh, I love Cole. Yeah. And Liz goes, wait, is that the Matrix girl? (laughs) And I just I died, dude, because it's so true. Like, that's what everyone will forever know her as. And if anyone happens to recognize her, that's what they're going to blurt out. It was the perfect like response. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think she did fine in this. I think her, her pivotal role really was taking away his internet that really sort of as a plot device kind of moved us to the next level. Um, and that all felt believable, you know, like she's this mother, she's trying to hold down her job and, you know, she lost somebody as well, but she's got to try and take care of the son. So I, I think she did fine. Uh, you know, it wasn't a huge role, but um, yeah, I mean, anyone else I can think of like that? Uh, I mean, Mark Hamill comes to mind. But I mean, he's well, that's true. His face is probably more recognizable for as Luke. But I mean, his voice for me, he's the best Joker ever but i also am, am biased a little bit so i mean yeah that's yeah. true you know i don't know but no no but, I, I think i think you're right i i don't remember him in anything else really right it's hard to think of, or it's hard to come up with much i mean it's these the problem is these roles are just so big that no matter what you do it's gonna be overshadowed to such a degree hmm. yeah and that's i mean yeah and and, and that's true or like, uh, oh God, who else? Like Jason Biggs will always be the pie fucker from American Pie, right? <laughs> yeah, so, dude, absolutely. A hundred percent. Like that's, I mean, that's who he is. He can try other things. I mean, he he can be Silverman, you know, 
Um, but and that's still a funny movie, but I'm always going to remember him as pie fucker. Like when yep. you see him, you're going to be like, oh, that's Jim, you know, because it overshadows anything else that they that they could possibly do. And and we talked about uh, Daniel Radcliffe. Um, I mean, yes. obviously, Harry yep. Potter is, is, is his biggest franchise. But you and I talked about that movie. Um, what was he in Guns Akimbo or something? like I that? I love Guns Akimbo. See, I thought it was kind of stupid. And- it is. And it's it's I loved it. It's totally stupid, but totally surreal. And Daniel Radcliffe has done so much. He's gone to great lengths to kill his legacy, to kill his past. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's really important for these actors who want to uh, transcend kind of where they come from is they have to absolutely brutally murder any semblance of of that otherwise that's what they'll keep getting cast for forever that's true justin what about you what are your thoughts on that yeah i think that's fair i mean daniel radcliffe is one of the first names that popped in my mind i would say macaulay culkin's probably another one Ooh, you know home alone from the the good son i mean he's 40 he's 40 years old and he's still (laughs) defending houses like and (laughs) this is my and eating macaroni and cheese dinners with milk (laughs) i had this really funny idea for a a robot chicken sketch where it was going to be like uh, Freddy Krueger having plans, you know, like a, like a schematic, like Kevin McAllister for like dream sequences and how he was going to <laughs> kill people. I thought that was really funny. It was like drawn and crayon, but all sloppy because his, cl- his gloves like cutting up the paper and shit. Couple micro of, machines like, to kill like, someone. What was, I, what was I trying to do here? Like, I don't remember what this, what this plan was. I think that would have been kind of funny. Um, uh, yeah. I think uh, that's a good one. I think Mark Hamill was a pretty good, pretty good choice uh just because like he's forever luke skywalker you know that's that's a good that's a good call out yeah um you know i I do think that um jim carrey for a long time was Mm. always going to be ace ventura you know Mm -hmm. when he did uh man on the moon that was a big step out of out of what everyone expected from him but you know one of the reasons why people didn't like cable guy was because like I thought you were the Ace Ventura guy. Why is this movie so weird? Why is it a creeper? <laughs> You're you know, so it, didn't, right. it, didn't, it didn't land for a lot of people. Uh, so that's pretty tough. And and so it, it's got to be hard when you are in these roles. I think all the Harry Potter kids are going to have that problem. You know, like um, like poor Ron, <laughs> not me, <laughs> not Hermione, you. you. <laughs> Rupert Grint is is always going to be fucking Ron Weasley. You know, Emma Watson, she does a lot of, uh, you know. She does a lot of philanthropy stuff and she's, you know, pretty political and, and um, you know, a very big advocate for for equal rights and, and women's rights. And and that's great. Um, but she's, you know, she still does movies every now and again. But for a lot of people, she's always just going to be Hermione Granger. And that's that's sad. You know, like uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, he's he's one that was able to break the mold. Right. He started doing comedy. He's in a, he's fucking Conan. He's fucking Terminator. And then all of a sudden he's Danny DeVito's twin. And you're like, <laughs> what the fuck? And it was amazing. Right. <laughs> Kindergarten cop. Same thing. Like, yeah, this guy's funny, dude. And then so then he starts having zingers in his action movies. You're just like, oh, okay. yeah, he's true like, lies. Oh. The snow cone yeah. maker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's a funny dude, man. He's so uh, funny. Whereas like Sylvester Stallone tried comedy and it didn't work out. Oscar, you know, got <laughs> got destroyed by critics. Fucking stop him all shoot. Same thing. It's not good. It's not funny. <laughs> no. He's he is an action star and nothing else for the longest time. And then he does a fucking he does Creed, right? Mm-hmm. And he redefines the role of Rocky. Yeah. And and it's amazing. And it, mm-hmm. it brings tears to my eyes. But I mean, that's 
were what seven decades of fucking Rocky or six decades of Rocky, <laughs> and it and it was able to change. That's that's a that's a long journey for that character. So there's definitely there's definitely a lot of people out there that were that are stuck in these roles, and and it's great when they can when they can break free from them. That's that's really cool. And I think for Carrie Ann Moss, it, it was hard with this because, you know, she's The Matrix is one of the biggest movies of all time, one of the most culturally impactful films of all time. And it still holds up, you know, 20 plus years later. So it's it's very hard for her to do anything else. And and she just kind of existed in this film. She didn't really do much. She was mm-hmm. just the mom. Yeah. Um, and then real quick, while we were kind of on it, I know Justin's a huge Superman fan, but Christopher Reeve, I mean, absolutely loved the guy, but he was Superman. I mean, he just had the look. He had everything. And I wish he could have done other things, you know, but he will always be Superman to me. But then him and then also Brendan Fraser. Brendan Fraser was, you know, Rick O'Connell in, in, in the Mummy movies. And I think that's probably his biggest thing for me. Oh, man. Uh, that's Zeno, only... man. <laughs> no, see, <laughs> but, I, I can't. I, I can't. But I also didn't grow up in California. So. Oh, man. No reason to juice. <laughs> oh. But I mean, like, you know, other side of the river. It's just it's so hard to beat the mummy movies because they're he's just awesome in them. And so I think it's it's just unfair because Carrie Ann Moss is just in that. And I mean, you know, Memento, we talked about that, too. Uh, before the show, she was in that movie. It's just kind of. I don't know. She just exists. She's in the new Matrix, though, that we just got the title drop. It's called Resurrection today. The real stick mm-hmm. with that Jesus theme. So, OK, yeah. yeah, it's always had very religious undertones. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, we, we could uh, we could spend hours. It's pretty in your face. Films. Yeah. <laughs> and I and I because I recently rewatched them uh, reloaded in revolutions. And yeah. I hate I hated revolutions them. Revolutions is rough. <laughs> yeah. And, and they're more fun to, to talk about than they are to watch because the Wachowski sisters, they're just like, you know, way beyond their time. And I think that movie came out when we were like, I just want to see more fights. Why can't I see more fights? I so, think reloaded yeah. still slaps, but. Yeah, yeah. Slap the beast. Slap it's, the beast. <laughs> it's tough to make a case for Revelation. It's it's yeah. There's, there's a lot of a lot of issues going on there. So yeah. you know who's another one is um I just saw this on the Google there uh, Anthony Perkins. Oh, he's Norman yeah. Bates. Yeah, and that's that's it. He's got mm-hmm. sixty seven credits on his IMDb page, and he's fucking Norman Bates. It's like all there is <laughs> yeah. to it. Like part of me wants to say Pierce Brosnan just because that's the bond I grew up on. Mrs. Mm-hmm. Doubtfire. <laughs> you know, like I I can picture him in other things, but yeah, Bond is like his thing to me. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Yeah, I agree. I think I, I think we have these memories of people too. So yeah. I don't know if, if that's the same for everybody, but I yeah. but, I mean I grew up with Gold Knight. Like he was my James Bond exactly. growing up. So it's the context of it is like that matters totally mm-hmm. you know yeah so okay well when you take a step back and really look at the main plot of uh of this film it's uh it's voyeurism it's actually yeah. kind of creepy it's actually <laughs> really creepy oh. if you think about it <laughs> 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 you know uh we all are expected to have a certain certain levels of, of privacy in our own homes and when kale begins to break those uh expectations and spies on his neighbors i can't help but sit there and think he is in the wrong question mark <laughs> what are your thoughts on voyeurism furthermore what if the voyeurism went to help solve a murder like in disturbia do the ends justify the means and how about mark we start with that you know regardless of the murder i'm okay with the voyeurism uh you know another wachowski film cloud atlas they uh, have a line to be is to be seen and i really believe that like 
our existence is relative to whether or not we're actually seen by other Mm. you know entities existing Mm -hmm. and part of why we live in society is to like be seen um it helps us build our ideas of ourselves, and you know basically we run everything through this filter of us being perceived by other people so i think it's absolutely natural to to look at each other to sort of be voyeuristic into each other and you know, people use the term people watching to downplay it, but that's what it is. It's being a, a voyeur. You sit at the park and you like people watch because it's fascinating to like look at their behaviors. And I, th- I think that that's just something we've always done. And I, I don't have, I don't take issue with it. If it helps solve a murder, the great society is, you know, working on some degree. If you want privacy, uh, close your, your blinds, you know, and they brush that under the rug in a uh, rear window. They just say it's a heat wave. And so everybody's keeping their blinds open. It's like, okay. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but if you want privacy, close your blinds. That's true. And more people, I mean, I, I think you're right on the money with that people watching. That's one of my favorite things to do in Vegas is just go there and people watch. Like when you and I went and we were mm-hmm. super hungover that day, I was just like, look, <laughs> look at all these fucking people wearing I heart Las Vegas shirts. And I'm yep. like, these guys are weird. Where did they come from? <laughs> Where did they come from? Go back to your shanties. Yeah, <laughs> so, um, yeah absolutely. And I, I think you're right. You can always just close the blinds. But I mean, even Ashley, you know, in this movie, in the Serbia, she has her blinds wide open as she's I, just, no one takes their yeah. top off with their blind just wide open like that. Well, not only that, I it's do. like once she realizes that <laughs> he's <awkward>. watching her, <laughs> she like is turned on by it. Yeah. She's like into it. It's weird. It's I, I don't know if it's like, what is that? It's <laughs> her kink. <laughs> maybe i'm not gonna yuck her yum so. i don't know it's like a pre precursor to only fans maybe like <laughs> yeah in 2007 <laughs> some sort of like feminism like oh yeah watch me <laughs> exactly i Just, mean if i was hot i would take off my clothes all the time <laughs> i mean i would too so i could cool down i'd be like yeah check this shit out <laughs> let me adjust the bl- sun's moving let me adjust my blinds hold on it's like <laughs> I got to get that good light. Yeah. yeah. Justin, what are your thoughts on Disturbia or on voyeurism? I mean, <laughs> do the ends justify the means if it can help solve a murder? Well, I mean, in this circumstance, yes. Um, but in, in most cases, I would hate to look out my window and see some creeper with his binocular staring at me. Um, I would hate that. I, you know, I, I make it a point to close all my blinds when the sun's goes, when the sun goes down. Right. Cause if it's light inside, I can't see outside. Right. So that works. Mm-hmm. And so I I am like a weird person where, you know, I'll, I'll make sure that the door is locked like three times before I go upstairs. Yeah, I got like my front door. I got my slider door. I got my utility room that leads to my garage and I will check. I'll, I'll start with the front door and make sure it's locked. Then I'll check the slider, make sure that the wooden stick is there and that the blinds are closed. Then I'll go to my garage. I'll make sure the door is locked. Then I'll come back, check the stick in the door one more time. And then I'll start going up the stairs. I'm like, fuck, I better check the front door one more time. I know it's locked, but I'm going to hate myself. I wake up at three in the morning and some creeper's on top of me trying to just, you know, put his penis between my my boobs. Yeah, I'm not going to like that. I mean, I eat a lot of Oreos and that soy goes right to my boobs and I need to protect them. And so I will check that door one more goddamn time. But I am in the same boat with the people watching. You know, if I'm in a public space, you know, like I go to Denny's, it's my birthday. I get my grand slam. I'm going to (laughs) look around at the other tables and see not only what's everybody eating today. 
But, you know, just their behavior. Is that person reading the newspaper? Who reads the fucking newspaper anymore? People at fucking Denny's read the newspaper. It's so weird. It's a time warp. And so I do like to see people's behaviors. If I go to the park, same thing. You know, and then if I just two people walk, like, uh, walking together, maybe they're on like a date, right? And then I try and listen to their conversation. I drop an eaves a little bit, you know, like, hey, what are, they, what are they talking about over there? And so I am curious. I don't want anybody spying on me, but you know, I'm not the I'm not the person that puts tape over my webcam. You know, if someone wants to see my party, <laughs> then you know they're more than welcome to. Uh, you know, I'm not that weird, but I do. When you're uh, when <laughs> you're do. at a red light, do you look? Oh yeah, I try and, and see what people are fucking singing in the car. Yeah, you you kind of look in. You, oh yeah, I'm like, get up in their business. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like and then when they when they catch me, I'm like, yeah. I just kind of tilt my head like, hey, what's uh-huh. up? <laughs> like, I'm all for like a glance, but if you're like looking in on my shit, I'm like, yo, you need to look away. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm <laughs> it freaks for me it. out. <laughs> I'm like, hey, what's up, dude? But I mean, I have a, I have a very non-threatening way about me. I've been described as a a living cartoon character so there's nothing threatening <laughs> about me but um you know i think i think social media has has changed our perception on privacy too right because so many people just put themselves out there and you know we've opened up all these doors and and windows to our lives and it's just snapshots but that's all people know about us but then you know we have these these influencers right or these youtube personalities and streamers where everyone knows everything about them they know the name of their dog they know what their favorite food is they know they know things that they probably shouldn't know you know it's weird and then they then all of a sudden you see fans or like uh someone uh, like an influencer will share an image on instagram and it's a portrait that someone drew of them and it's like fuck that's that's cool that they're talented to be able to draw them (laughs) but I don't know about all that. Like when they get like the expression of my face and my laugh lines and all that stuff, then it gets, it's a whole nother level, right. Of, Mm -hmm. of infatuation and, and, and star power that, that exists. And it's so weird that, that, that this, you know, a celebrity will say that just has these people admiring them from afar and looking at them and watching them in a Truman show sense where there's streamers that are literally streaming for hours and hours and hours a day and 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 it's almost like like this lady that's 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 changing, right? It's the same thing. It's it's a it's it's opening up the curtain to my life, and you can see what it is that I do. And not only can you see it, but I'm broadcasting and telling everybody to watch it. So there's been some sort of weird shift in in you know what we perceive to be our privacy. And there's mm-hmm. some people that are that are still very strict on on that, and they want to keep it private, and and that's great. Um, but I do think that fast forward to, to 2021 and we are so just out there and throwing ourselves out there, uh, especially with like mental health, right? It's always been such a weird stigma with mental health and you were, you were damaged and, and you were a problem if you had panic attacks or you were worried about this or had anxiety for that. And now so many people are sharing their stories and mm-hmm. I try so hard to just stress the message that, you know, take, take a personal day, you know, like a mental health day. That's, that's a real thing. You need to be, you know, find out, you know, how everybody's doing. I call Zach like every week just to check on him. I know we had these podcasts, but I just don't want to know that yeah. you know he's he's okay, right? And and people forget to do that. And yeah. it's it's important. And so I do think that that I, I love that the openness that exists. It's not for everybody, but I think I think reading people's stories uh is a fun way to connect and maybe, you know, turn it into something that you can relate to. And I don't think that we would have that without 
something like social media. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, the, the broadcasting has definitely changed, you know, privacy levels. But this movie feels more like surveillance, you know. Oh, sure. 100%. More like eagle eye kind of. Another another <laughs> yeah. Shia LaBeouf. Same so, director too, right? Or like enemy of the state. <laughs> Gene Hackman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but the surveillance that they're like portraying is, yeah. is kind of interesting in terms of. Can't quite of figure like, out that Zoom button. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, they have a stakeout. They order pizza, right? Like but it's, it's like all, it's all, 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 yeah. it's stuff. all yeah. like. But it's also all consumer grade surveillance stuff. It's all stuff that we could order on Amazon for very cheap, very quickly and have. And it's almost like, hey, you know, if it's almost painting this future where you can spy on your neighbor with readily available consumer grade surveillance equipment that, you know, you could use to then murder your neighbor. Yeah, when which I was is kid, what he does. When I, when I was a kid, there were these Spoiler. toys called like Spy Tech. Yeah, and uh, you could literally like one was like a boom microphone, and you just like yeah. have little headphones and you just listen to what your your brother or sister is doing in the other room. I'm, I'm getting all this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like whoa, easy, peeping Tom in the court of mom and dad. Yeah. yeah. It's oh, really man. weird. You know, they even had black sunglasses with like a little mirror. <laughs> I know exactly so you what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, I know exactly because they had the same kind of thing for us too, and I, I wanted that. They even had one of those really over the top like satellite dish handheld ones that you can pick up sound from, and you oh, have yeah, headphones, yeah, yeah. and you're like, whoa, I can kind <laughs> the of hear parabolic things. sound thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly. Oh so my stupid. God, so stupid. Remember that Simpsons episode where Bart's like, "Where's my spy camera? Yeah, <laughs> where's my spy camera? Where's my spy camera?" <laughs> like Twelve weeks later, yeah, it's a little tiny one. <laughs> And then uh, he captures Homer dancing with that with the girl. Yeah. Yeah. And and for me, so I, I think what Mark's like saying, too, this, um, that's what I have some trepidation behind this because, um, yeah, murder podcast. Right. We've talked about Justin and I've talked about murder podcasts all the time. And it's great if you want to listen to a, a you know murder podcast. But it makes it really hard from certain standpoints where people I, I'm in the dating world and, and it, it blows me away sometimes when girls are like, well, you sound like a serial killer right now. I'm like, what are you <laughs> fucking talking about? Because I asked what neighborhood in Seattle you live in. I'm sorry if I don't want to drive 45 minutes, like if I want to go hang out with you or something like that. And so I understand because I try to take a step back and I'm like, I don't know what happened to this girl. Some, you know, she might have been, you know, online dating is weird. So she might have had a bad experience, but it also is kind of like everyone has a heightened sense of awareness. And so with the voyeurism, it's almost like, I mean, I'm looking out windows right now in my podcasting room and I can see my neighbors across the way. And like, if I were to sit there and just expect something to happen, I think that can be problematic. And so I, I think we get that from from this. And I mean, I would hope that people can turn it off and be like, OK, it's just a movie. But you do know that there are people out there like neighborhood watch people who mm-hmm. have Facebook groups now. They're like, hey, mm-hmm. you know, somebody let their dog poop in my yard today and that's not cool. And it's just like, fuck off. Who cares? Sort of thing. Um, and I think we it, it, it's heightened by social media. It can be good and it can be bad. But I just I, I try to err on that side of caution. Mm-hmm. My so my next door neighbor, he's like um, Rumsfeld from The Burbs. You know? <laughs> I like Rumsfeld. Rumsfeld. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, and he knows everything about everybody. He knows like when this kid got that car. He knows, but that guy's got a pigeon infestation. He knows that guy's a cop. That guy's this. And I, I talked to him and his wife when I moved in, and for like three hours in the in the front of their house, and they were just telling me about every single neighbor, and I, I was fascinated with how much that they knew. And I have no idea what they know about me other than just like casual <laughs> conversation. But I know that they're having that conversation with 
you know, their neighbor on the other side. He's got a lot you of know, toys oh, in his house. That guy <laughs> sells, he's got a Pac-Man machine. He sells a lot. He's got a lot of toys. <laughs> takes the train to work. <laughs> and I'm just like, shit. So, you, I mean, you it is crazy how the things that you share in casual conversation that will now become, uh, I mean, it's, it's your legacy. It's, yeah. Like, this <laughs> the is a story. People I am known now. I'm, I'm the toy yeah. guy in the yeah. neighborhood. I bet it's so yeah. weird. Funny man. I'm the yeah. funny man. <laughs> I'm Rocco. Yeah, yeah exactly. But yeah. So, um, just for the sake of time to move on a little bit, that was a really good conversation. I don't want to cut it short, but I will. Um, so, you know, this one's really hard for me and I think, uh, maybe Mark was alluding to it earlier, but, uh, this one's hard to pin for me. What genre is this movie? Yeah. Justin read one of the reviews that called it a, a teen thriller. I think that's, that's as close as you can get in my mind is mm. what it feels like. A teen thriller. Yeah. yeah. I, I think that's where I want it to be a hard R because I wanted to see a little more <laughs> violence, you know, like kill the kids. That's why they I mean, call me violent Zach. I, I, honestly, you I sound like a serial killer. Zach. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> oh, the Capitol God. Hill killer. I asked, I asked a girl one time, like this was months ago. We were talking, we exchanged like probably 15 messages, but who's counting? Um, and I'm more of a person that's like, hey, like you want to grab a cup of coffee or something like that in a public place where it yeah. seems nice. They and she's a Ballard basher. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, dude, why'd you, why'd you tell people where I live? Now they're going to know. And so you sound like a serial killer right now. But uh, she she was just like, she's like, well, that's really soon. And you sound kind of creepy right now. It's almost like serial killer. I was like, what? Because I wanted to get a cup of coffee and then. And then, so anyways, unmatched with her. And then I re-downloaded Hinge like a couple months later. We rematch. And she's like, do you remember me? I was like, no, I don't. She's like, oh, yeah, you said, you know, I, you, you kind of unmatched with me when I called you creepy, but I was joking. And I'm like, well, you shouldn't call somebody creepy if they asked for a cup of coffee because I'm not trying to make pen pals here. <laughs> so anyways, but, you know, again, I tried to take a step Keyboard back. pals. I know. Well, I took, I, took a, I took a step back and I was like, well, I don't know what she's dealt with in her past. And I'm sure there's, it's justifiable, but sure, it was a it turned me off. I was like, well, you know, not going to waste my time on that. So anyways, but with a teen thriller, I just literally Googled teen thrillers and movies like What Lies Below. I don't know what that is. Um, Voyagers. Uh, there's a lot of shit movies on here. 47 what? meters down. How is that a teen thriller? Oh, yeah. The shark movie. Yeah. I fucking love that movie. Yeah. Um, split. The sharks, you know. Yeah. Uh, split. Is that split. Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. With a uh, genetic split checks out. Yeah. Uh, with uh, James McAvoy, you yeah. know. Uh, oh, that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where he kidnaps the girl. Comic and got like 8000 personalities yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Um, what was that other movie? Glass. I hated that movie. Yeah. Holy shit. I heard that movie sucked. Yeah, that's terrible. I didn't see that one. But I I, I could see, I, I get what you're saying with a teen thrillers. That that would make the most sense because this movie wasn't a horror film to me. And I and I feel like it had horror elements, but they just really didn't deliver. And I, I wanted when they were watching, you know, the girl run around the house, I wanted that to be scarier. I don't know. Sue me, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> sue me, well, sue yeah, me. But- you don't really see the girl though, right? Because it's through his perspective. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he just zoomed wasn't... in really far. <laughs> yeah, there wasn't a lot of screen time devoted to the horror aspect. No, it was until, mostly the love, like, the love relationship until like the end, and the end just felt like a rewrite in yeah. my opinion. Like I don't yeah. know, because the movie was pretty solid up until the end, and I don't know who stepped in and was like, "Well, this <laughs> needs to change," but like it kind of turns into a mess at the end yeah mm-hmm. it's rushed 
So yeah. I think you know what's interesting is that you know through our uh, psycho, you know that's a that's a thriller, and uh, what's interesting about that is that it's more of a tension and a paranoia kind of kind of thriller, you know, like when 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 what is it Marion Crane right? She's off going on on her journey. She's stolen the money. She's having these conversations with herself of what they're saying about her, right? She's losing her mind. It's it's rainy. There's tension building. And then she checks into the hotel, right? They have this conversation. It gets a little weird. Then she gets murdered. Then it's part two. It's a whole nother movie when they're trying to figure <laughs> out what happened to her, right? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it's all about, oh my, is he coming? You know, and there and there's this tension that's building because they don't want to get caught, uh, you know, snooping around. And then, yeah, then it's just down in the cellar. They find the body. It's scary. Norman Bates jumps down off the stairs. He's dressed up as a mom. He's got a knife. And then he just kind of passes out. And it's really weird because, you know, that's that's not an R-rated movie. There's no real uh, horror to be found. It's just a different kind of uh, of suspense. It's building on this tension for, for 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. And you can get away with that. Um, the only difference is this movie didn't. <laughs> you know, yeah. there's not a whole lot happening in Psycho. You know, mm. it's, there's, there's, there's not a lot to it, but it's an incredible movie. And this movie did fall short at, you know, same thing at the end, you know, it's, 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 it's cat and mouse, but, and people are dying, you know, like the nice policeman got his neck snapped. There's bodies in the buried in the, in the ground. Uh, the mom's kidnapped and gagged. We, we don't know what happened to anybody. Everyone's uh, it's running amok, but I mean, I didn't really care, which is re- kind of weird. Yeah. Like, I didn't care who survived at the end of this movie. <laughs> That's why I wanted the hard R, because I wanted them to get killed. Because then I, it would have been I, but fun. But what I'm saying is, like, Psycho wasn't a hard R, you know? It's, True. Okay, fair enough. Anybody can watch that movie. And and it had the tension. It had the buildup. Uh, but this movie... That's why I, I think the I music think has a lot to do with it. there was a rewrite. What's that? I, I really do think there might have been a rewrite at, yeah. at the last second. Because the whole rest of the movie feels very cohesive. And then it just... Yeah, you lose all. I, I, I agree 100%. I did not care. Like, I I tapped out. It was so boring to me. <laughs> Shia boring. am I the, right? The very I'm end right. of like, I'm right. <laughs> they just go down into the cellar. It's like it, you're just waiting for it all to play out at that point. Right. right. And it didn't feel like, you know, when he killed him, I was like, oh. That was it. That was the struggle. Yeah, <laughs> I, I wanted I wanted more of a cat and mouse game. I wanted him to like be all bloodied and and a, a few different you know jump moments where Sydney shoots him in the head, sort of thing. I wanted more of that shit and make me think he died. Maybe yeah. And then, oh, surprise! He's still but alive. That's yeah. just it, though. It's not a horror movie. The horror movie, you get the final scare. This is a thriller. This is yeah. a teen thriller. There's no final scare. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess that's that's where I was struggling, man. Yeah, it was, uh, it I remember was, thinking that rough. when I watched this like two weeks ago. I was like, oh, there's no final scare. Yeah. I was like, this isn't a horror movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, okay, cool. Well, you know, finally, you know, I like my suspense films to keep me guessing like we were just talking about. And I don't like obvious answers for the most part. Uh, and David Morse did a great job as Mr. Turner, but he did present himself as an obvious villain, in my opinion. I mean, there there just really wasn't any ambiguity. And that's what I that's what I really like in, in these teen thriller suspense films, right? Did it ruin the movie knowing that uh, Mr. Turner was a bad guy the entire time? Um, so I do like how they were. The police showed up and they investigated and um, he appeared to be innocent. 
only we thought the friend was dead. If if that conversation would have happened sooner, and and we didn't think that that his buddy was was taken and killed, uh, then I think it would have been more fun because then we didn't know. And maybe if his friends were like, "Oh, you're just crazy. You're just whistling Dixie here," you know, you're not, <laughs> you don't know, you don't know, you're just whistling you don't know. Dixie yeah, <laughs> uh, you know. And and if he was trying to, you know, uh, crying wolf kind of thing, I think that would have been more of an impact. Um, but you're right from from the beginning we were led to believe that this guy was a crazy person even when he caught because uh one of the the hollywood tricks is how are people with animals right mm-hmm. when he thought that shiloh when shiloh both thought that he saw him through the fence and he was really just grabbing the rabbit you're like oh man this guy's gonna fucking murder this rabbit he's not like <laughs> petting him and like hey we're gonna go have make more rabbit friends and then you're gonna have rabbit babies and it's gonna be amazing it was, oh man, this guy's going to fucking snap this rabbit's head <laughs> off and it's going to be horrible. And so that one scene kind of taught us that he's the bad guy based on how he treated the animal. Okay. Yeah, I could see that. I didn't I didn't really register that, but I think it's more just how he carried himself and just everything he was doing. He didn't seem like a nice guy. You know, I, what I recently rewatched, The Lost Boys. And The Lost Boys does a very good job of making, um, I always forget his name, but you know, he was in Richie Rich and he's the head vampire. But they did a very, very good job of the misdirect of, of you being like, well, who's the head vampire? Holy shit, it's actually him. Because uh, I think Roger is his name. They, they want to go... Uh, you, you, they spill garlic on him and or holy water, and they make him yeah, eat garlic. Like, I and love stuff. garlic. Yeah, like, I Max. love garlic. Yeah, Max. There yeah. you go. And they think that's a complete misdirect. You're like, oh, well, okay, maybe they just got it wrong. And then, sure, shit. Spoiler alert: at the end, he is the head vampire. I think if you would have done something cool like that, then it would have been a little bit more believable. But the entire time, David Morse is just staring and grabbing keys out of cars, being all creepy. And I'm just like, fuck yeah, off, dude. He gets in the car. <clears throat> but yeah, that's what I mean. If they would, if the police would have had that conversation with him at the beginning of the movie, uh, and you know, like when, if he, when he saw the girl go missing or what he thought was the girl going missing, and then they do the investigation and he comes out clean, then maybe it would have worked a little bit better. Uh, but instead his buddy was missing. Yeah. He turned up in the, in the closet and he was fine, but uh, we were under the impression that he was hurt and injured. Uh, and we, and they, we've already had the conversation with him in the car being a weird, gross man talking about his privacy and stuff like that, um, which I didn't like. But yeah, with with movies in particular, it's really fun when when someone like like Rocky, for example, right? He's in the he's getting beat up at the beginning. It's kind of gross and gritty. But then his next scene, he's in love with a dog at a pet store. Right. Yeah. So you're like, oh, OK, this <laughs> tough guy loves animals. He's a good guy. You well, know, like serial killers murder animals and kill dogs and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas. Someone that's all lovey dovey, you know, you know that the it's it's a it's a character defining moment, right? You're like, oh, okay, they're gonna be okay. They're a nice person. Whereas that rabbit, you're like, oh, this guy's gonna boil it, throw it in a stew. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that rabbit did. Yeah, yeah. It, it's an interesting question to ask if that ruins the film because I don't know. I wrestle with that because honestly, I think that is the film. Um, all those moments actually work for me in this film because it is a teen thriller because of what the film actually is. And what I think when I think about like, what is this actually, it's kind of the story of kale, like moving through his trauma and, you know, like he starts by getting the ankle bracelet on, he ends by getting the ankle bracelet off. Like that's his arc. And along the way he has to, you know, 
survey his surroundings and study this guy and catch a, a serial killer for whatever reason. That's like his quest in this particular film. So like in the context of what this movie is, like him being a very uh, obvious bad guy works for me just because of the PG-13 rating, because of the target audience, because of like the whole overall vibe of who these characters are. You know, this is not a detective. This is a 16-year-old kid who, you know, messed up and now is under house arrest. And so I think there needs to be an obvious motivation for him to like actually pour his attention into studying someone. Um, So just in terms of like what this movie is, I actually think the way David Morse plays Mr. Turner, that whole thing, I think it worked. Hmm. You know, I don't think it was super strong in general, but I think it, it worked for this film. Okay. Yeah. I think that is fair. That is definitely fair. It's a different perspective. I didn't even think about that. And uh, yeah, I mean, if I'm a kid, I I, I want my hand held. Just fucking show mm-hmm. me the movie. Yeah, this guy the bad guy? yeah, okay, mm-hmm. great, kill him. No, but I mean, my favorite thing is tons of exposition. I love exposition. <laughs> I mean, that's, oh, yeah. that's tell why me to, about it. That's why I go to movies. I just want them to explain <laughs> it to me. Being like, well, this Mark, this reminds me of the one time when we were growing up because we went to college together and we had that time together. You know, <laughs> it's just it's it's fucking crazy. So, but okay, cool. Well, you know, guys, that is all I have on Disturbia. Bum, bum, be dum, bum, bum, be dum, bum. And um, do you guys have any final thoughts? Uh, Mark, what are, what are your final thoughts and letter grade for Disturbia? You know, it's an OK movie. I'd give it a B. <laughs> oh, this, but you just said it was your favorite movie of all time. You just spent an hour and a half, two hours talking about how it's your favorite of all time. I think it's got some high points. I think there were some solid moments and it was definitely um a high watermark for Shia at the time, you know? Yeah. And so for what it was, I, I enjoy it. I like rear window better as a film, but if I'm a young kid, you know, trying to like watch a movie with a girl, this is probably what I'm putting on. Okay. Okay. I get you. What about you, Justin? Versus Rear Window? Or yeah. just all yeah. movies in general? No, versus yeah. Rear Window. Okay. <laughs> I'm not, hey, fresh from 2007, baby girl. I got that Disturbia. Yeah. We're watching Superbad. That's what I'm putting yeah. on. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Justin, what about you? Yeah, uh, I give a C plus. Okay. No B minus, depending on the day. Uh, it's fun. I enjoy it. I uh, It's a good rom. I haven't seen this since it came out. And so it was a fun rewatch. And uh, yeah. I think I'm I'm just I'm with her too. I'm going to split the diff and say uh, B minus for me. Uh, it, it definitely aged itself. Uh, the soundtrack is very much you say 2000. That a lot with films that they age themselves. Oh, sorry, they do. <laughs> but the soundtrack is very apparently 2007. I mean, there's some System of Down in there. There's some Kings of Leon from the early years. And it, it's just so funny because it fits really well for those times. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I didn't hate it. I, you know, I had fun, a fun time watching it. But I think Mark's right. It felt like it was a it was a rewrite towards the end of the film. But I do like that it was under two hours. And um, and I do. There were parts because it'd been so long since I seen it that I was like, "Ooh, what happens here again? And so. I enjoyed it. And David Morse, he still is a good villain. He fit this movie. Um, I just kind of wish they did a, a lot more, you know, surprise element with him. But he he still was really creepy as hell. His oh, fucking earring. His uh, earring was weird to me. Yes. <laughs> yes. I don't know why he had it. Whoever was the costume person for that. Was interesting <laughs> so, choice. So as choice. Far, as far yeah. as the movie, you know, dating itself. Do you think that, let's say it played music from the 60s, would that cure its 
problem? Um, I don't understand. Is I, it because yeah, it has yeah. listening to today's hits in 2007. You know what I what noticed was that uh, the too long, his jeans were too long and he stepped on the heel. You know, the phrase yeah. jeans. <laughs> yeah. To me, that was the marker of the time. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I remember that. Stepping on your jeans. They're all yeah. frayed on the back yeah. because and, you keep <laughs> stepping on them. Yeah. And, and I think I think in certain films, I mean, you, you shouldn't even have to look at the, the costume costumes to really be like, oh, this is definitely dated. I mean, it'll be apparent after, you know, decades. But I think. Well, what's the, a time? I guess what's a timeless movie? Um. Oh, God. That's a, that's tough. I, I I don't know if I can really give you one right off the top. Okay, so like even <laughs> even something like Jurassic Park. Looking at the stuff that they wear, I'm like, dude, I go hiking and I see people wearing what Ellie Sadler's wearing. Um, and sure. and, and I have and, a real problem with that too. With her, with what she's wearing? With hikers looking like they're from two th- from 1993. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I wear whatever I want when I hike, and um, so so Some I, North Face Patagonian <laughs> shit. <laughs> So, I mean, I think that there are that one. I don't even consider the costumes an issue in the film because I'm just so concerned with the story and it it really drives it. And I'm not trying to compare Disturbia to Jurassic Park. Those are two separate movies completely. But I mean, even in Eagle Eye, the the attire in Eagle Eye is pretty with the times to to compare to now. I, I should say it doesn't really look like Shia LaBeouf is sagging his pants like crazy and uh, the soundtrack is playing. Yeah, today's top hits like someone Googled songs from 2007 and just played them. Right. But uh, Eagle Eye has a problem with technology because you look yeah. at the phones, right? So then they have like the Nokia well, and thing. I, I'm more sorry. I'm more speaking to to the clothing and I think like more the music, not necessarily the technology, because that's not really fair. Because I mean, I could I could look at the office and be like, wow, everyone has flip phones in, in, in the office. And then they when they finally get iPhone series one, you're like, whoa. <laughs> right. So weird. I guess that's my question is how oh, do okay. you how do you be how do you be timeless? Well, the how, Matrix how is, how is your film? How do you make a timeless film? The Matrix. Well, the Matrix <laughs> invented their own. They, they had Motorola. <laughs> well, but they also had Motorola design the slider phone. Yeah, true. Like they were like, oh, let's just make something up. And if it never really exists, then it never really like goes out of date. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, that's a good question. I, I, I'll have to think more about it. You caught me off guard and uh, I feel embarrassed. I'm mm. now I'm now a voyeuristic person. Well, no, I, I mean I, I think it's a good question. I mean, yeah, it's like, totally. Because like comedy for me, like I can watch an episode of I Love Lucy and I laugh my fucking ass off. Right? I think it's so funny, mm-hmm. and, and I think good comedy is timeless. And I I'm just curious with movies. You know, we were talking about Clash of the Titans, and that movie is terrible. <laughs> and you know, it's it's not. I mean, 1980 and. Uh, it's just crazy to me to think that there are other movies in 1980 that don't look nearly as terrible as that. So, I mean, yeah, budget is a, is a piece of it, I suppose. But I do think that it's it's a tough question to answer, especially yeah. when technology is a factor, you know, like a big factor the the, t- the TVs that they're watching, you know, the clothes that they're watching, the cars that they're driving. Um, I mean, it was always married to cinema. Uh, you know, it was black and white and then they added sync sound and then they added mm-hmm. color and then they added 3D, you know, they just mm-hmm. keeps, but it's always been sort of married to cinema and then married now to like the larger consumer electronics industry in mm-hmm. terms of what sort of technology consumers can actually afford and how to distribute and how to protect all of all of this IP and charge for it along the way. So right. yeah, it's absolutely intrinsically linked with 
commerce and and technology. So we might have that problem forever and all eternity. Forever. I mean, yeah, it, it's it's a really weird industry where art and and capitalism like hard. Uh, you know, actual business deals like me. It's a really weird intersection. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, uh, sometimes like with cartoons, it was, how do we sell the toys? We'll make a cartoon mm-hmm. for it, merchandise right? it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but like, like we were talking about fast and furious the other day and in the first movie they're, they're robbing trucks with, DVD players and fucking VCRs and shit. Yeah, VCRs. Like, Dude, I'll, give, I'll give you 50 bucks for the whole truck. Right? Like, that's where we're at right now. I think their jumping the shark moment was uh, Fast Five. Oh, when, totally. Uh, they ripped the safe out. Dude, uh, totally. That was, I that love set that. The, but that set the stage for every film that came after. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's you where they the pivoted. Yeah. yeah. They were like, we're going to rip a freaking safe out of the <laughs> out of the wall and drag it. Like, that was the moment where yeah. it was like, oh, all bets are off in this franchise. Because you're in Brazil. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now they're jumping, you know, between towers in Dubai. Yeah, and fuck. <laughs> they really did that, you know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> well, they actually did the safe thing. That was shot practically. What? You see? Yeah. I'm serious. Yeah. Well, this, did you know the shark in in <laughs> Broom Five actually, is, a, is a documentary shot in real time? The safe scene, that ten minute scene, that was oh. all shot practical. It's pretty awesome. The, so I, the other franchise that's similar to Fast Five would be uh, the Mission Impossible series, and oh, I think yeah. Ghost Protocol is when it really like upped the ante, and you're like, whoa, and it got like pretty crazy. That's and, three. That's, that's four. Four, four and, okay. And and they just keep getting better and better. And it's arguably one of the best action franchises we've seen in the past 10, maybe 20 years. It's it's incredible. Like Fallout yeah. was fucking unbelievable. I was blown away by how good that movie was. And I, I like reload my arms every time I get in fights. So which is mm-hmm. never, but no, yeah. is that when Bad Robot took over? Because Bad Robot yeah, that didn't was three. always that do was three. It, right? they three, three was right, and okay. it was a little and more that changed everything. That's pretty much the look at that as the first movie in the arc. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it's a continuing yeah. story from three on. Yeah, Bad Robot really upped the game. Yeah, Ooh, awesome. That's crazy. Where's but, the rabbit's foot? You know um, that in in that they <laughs> always they only use Android phones whenever they're malfunctioning. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Apple won't let them use iPhones to you know to show like. Also, weirdly enough, villains almost never use iPhones. That's what I've read yeah, in, Apple's in various very things. Weird about how they try and control that image. Yeah, give them some dumb Bing phone. Give them a Microsoft <laughs> yeah. phone. Bing phone. Yeah, because in one of the give Mission Impossible's, there's a, a scene where there's like a dust storm and the phone stops working, and it's specifically the only Android phone in the whole movie. Oh, oh my god, that's so dirty. That's yeah. so awesome. The droid does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Apple's just like middle finger. <laughs> oh, God. All right. Well, um, let me go ahead and just take us home. So I'm not uh, ready yet. This has been fun, man. <laughs> this is good. So uh, thank you for listening to the Don't Be Crazy podcast. Remember to follow us on Twitter at DBCrazyPod, at Edgy Armo. He lives over in Glendale, see? And at ZachDale60, where you can share your thoughts with us and we'll discuss them on our show. Uh, heck, you can even tell us what movie you think we should watch for our next episode. Just make sure that it is streaming. And this movie, Disturbia, is available on HBO Max. Mark, where can we find you on social media and what plugs can you give us for any upcoming projects? I am Mark E. Giles on everything. M-A-R-K-E-G-I-L-E-S. Uh, yeah, it's the same on everything. And yeah, I'll uh, 
I'm working on some cool stuff now. I just got the uh, red Komodo camera, so I'm going to be shooting a lot of tasty new content coming up. Tasty nudes. Mm-hmm. Tasty tasty nudes. Tasteful nudes. <laughs> no, it's tasty. <laughs> well, my new the new technology where you lick the, your phone. <laughs> Schnauzberries. It's like Schnauzberries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to be doing a whole lot of gentleman Broncos. Flippidaceous. Darn you, (laughs) Flippidaceous. And then, uh, you know, please be also, please also be sure to check out the Geek Legacy podcast with David, Randy, and Justin. They did an amazing episode on the uh, superhero movies, and it was a whole lot of fun, whole lot of laughs to be had. And I was literally laughing while I was in the gym, and I had to stop working out. So you are, you are responsible for me not being fit, Justin. Sorry. Sorry. Also, please sure, be sure to check out the Pixelated Podcast with Stephen K. Jaynes and Justin. Talk about video games. Uh, just please remember, don't be crazy. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much. Thanks. 